Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, located on a beautiful campus of Seton Hall University. We are very happy to have as our in-studio guest today, Ms. Rosemary Osman, the CEO of Rose Communications. Rosemary, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Darrell. You know, I think it would be very helpful for you to share with our audience. You are the CEO of your own PR communications firm. Tell us a little bit about your background. Certainly. Well, I started in the PR business back in the mid-90s and actually started my career as an advertising copywriter for two different retail department stores, uh, Woodward and Lothrop in Washington, D.C., and John Wanamaker. Quickly got out of that business and got into the PR world working for two different agencies in Baltimore and had a great run there and in the year 2000 decided to move to New York and be the director of the consumer and technology practices at Euro RSCG. And I had a great experience there because I was really running my own company within this global PR firm. And that gave me the skill set and the experience to start my own. And I started Rose Communications in 2003. So here we are six and a half years later. And uh, how big is your staff there at Rose Communications? We are definitely a boutique PR firm. We are six people. And I think there's something very unique about Rose Communications, but why did you decide, you know, I'm working in large corporate, but now I'm going to start my own boutique PR firm. What motivated you to do that? People always find the answer to this question funny, but I really was looking for work-life balance, which strikes people as odd because why would you go do something like start a business from scratch when you're looking for work-life balance? But there's nothing like being empowered to run your own business to have the flexibility, independence, and autonomy um, to have better control over your life, professionally and personally. And you have a, a, a daughter. How I does do. You, how does your daughter? My daughter Scarlett is two and a half. Oh, two and a half. Uh, she's adorable. And um, Rose Communications, that name is very important, and it comes from some family history. It Can does. Can you share with us uh, a little bit about that? Absolutely. When I launched the company, of course, one of the first decisions that you make is, what am I going to name the company? And I was talking it over with my mother, and I said, you know, in my business, it's a service business. People are buying people when they come to us. So I felt as though having my name on the door was very important. But my last name is a difficult name for many people. It's often mispronounced. So I kind of struggled with that. And my mother had said to me, you know, how about Rose Communications? Rose was my great-grandmother who actually came here from Russia as a teenager by herself and uh, came through Ellis Island. She worked in the garment district in New York, uh, as many Russian Jews did. She met my great-grandfather there. They eventually, they lived in Bayonne at the time, but they eventually moved to Washington, D.C. and started a kosher deli in uh, in Washington. They actually had nickel pony rides and all kinds of interesting things that seem hard to fathom in Washington, D.C. And so I felt as though her entrepreneurial spirit, you know, the courage to come here by herself without any of her family and then to start a business in Washington, D.C. was a really nice um, you know, kind of image that I wanted around my own business. And I was named after her, so it also seemed fitting in that way. Wow, that is a very, very special story. Um, as you and I have discussed before, I grew up in a grocery store as well. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a very much a heartfelt story. And um, how many people, you say you got six folks mm -hmm. uh, that you manage within your firm? That's right. And from what I understand, you're not really looking to grow it beyond that. Uh, you want to keep it boutique-ish so that you can manage it and have that work-life balance. Is that correct? or That's true to a degree. Mm -hmm. When I started the business, in addition to looking for work-life balance, part of my vision was 
taking a group of people who I really admired and respected, you know, my A team of people mm. and working on clients that we really enjoyed and could get passionate about. And so that is really our growth strategy. So as long as we are able to maintain that, we will continue to grow. And how would you describe the culture at Rose? Because um, there's no men there. It's all women. <laughs> <laughs> very excellent 18 women, I must add. Yeah, it's a very uh, uh, interesting observation and one that I get asked about a lot. In my business, public relations, there are a lot of women. So it's not entirely uncommon to have a female-dominated PR firm. Um, we're not opposed to having a, a male. We joke around that the first one, we'll have to see who that is, what kind of man can come into this culture. But we are a very entrepreneurial culture, as you might imagine, with a boutique PR firm. And um, the individuals who come to work with us, and I'm very proud of the fact that everyone who has come to work for the company still works for Rose Communications. So we have a 100% Knockwood employee retention wow, rate. that's awesome. Great, great team. And each individual is truly empowered. I know a lot of people say this, but truly empowered to make it what they want it to be. Well, you know, that word empower, I, I, there's a professor here at Seton Hall. I just wrote a, an article that says, if you really want your organization to flourish, give up control, and allow folks to have autonomy. How would you define empowerment? Because you're right, that word is used so much. But how do you define it, and how do uh, your team members at Rose Communications, how do they utilize it? You know, one of the, the greatest things that happened to my business, me personally as well, but was the birth of my daughter in 2007, because I was still very hands-on with every single account that we had in 2007. I wouldn't say micromanaging, but I was very, very hands-on. And taking three months off, which I was very committed to doing, really gave me an opportunity to, quote-unquote, empower so you did members take, of my team. So you did team. take three months off. I did. Wow. I did. And that gave me the opportunity to communicate with my clients and to say to them, these are the people I trust. They will be running your business while I'm gone. They know how to reach me. If there's a crisis, trust me, I'll be right there. Um, and it was the greatest lesson for me because I realized that once you truly empower people and trust them, they can, they can do well and they will do well. Empower and the word trust, they have to go hand in hand, it appears. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I've worked for people over the years who manage by fear. And I don't work well in that environment. And I certainly wouldn't feel good about myself as a leader if I tried to lead in that fashion. So I really lead giving people the benefit of the doubt that they are going to do the right thing. They're going to take personal responsibility. And of course, if they prove me wrong, I'll be quick to step in and to resolve the situation. But I think people enjoy that kind of environment and thrive in that kind of environment. And that's what we've created at Rose. And if I was to uh, be a fly on the wall at Rose Communications on a Monday morning and I'm there till a Friday, what would I observe in regards to how the team communicates, how the team organizes itself, how it deals with issues? What would I observe? Well, we are a very non-hierarchical organization. So Everyone chips in to do whatever it takes. And again, that kind of sounds cliche, but it's very, very true. So you'll see people getting together to solve different problems, deal with different issues. And really, everyone has a different skill set that they bring to the table and really working together to do the right thing and the best thing for our clients. Um, it is a bit of a frenetic week in that um, you know, we work with lots of different clients. We have clients in the healthcare sector. We have a couple of uh, federal government contracts. We work on consumer products. So, and that's what we love about having an agency environment is 
there's never a dull moment. It's always changing. So you'll hear us transition in our conversations very quickly from one seemingly unrelated subject matter to another. So it makes life very, very interesting. We also rely a lot on new technologies. Um, we deal with a couple of our colleagues actually work outside of our corporate headquarters. So we're using IM and other technologies to make sure that we're staying in really close contact with one another as our work week goes. Do you utilize uh, Skype? And, uh, Primarily instant messenger. Instant messenger, okay. Primarily. Okay. And then we, one thing that, that we do that's really important to our team is we get together every other week with a conference call. So we make sure we involve the people who aren't present just to make sure we're catching up on everything that's going on with each other's accounts because we get great ideas. You know, not everyone works on every piece of business that we have. So we get great ideas from one another. And we usually dedicate every call one client where we have something really either a challenge or something interesting happening where we can put everyone together on it and really brainstorm. And tell us a little bit more about that process. You have a particular client that, pre that presents a particular challenge. You call a meeting and how is it facilitated? Well, usually the person who's closest to the client presents the situation and gives everyone just enough background so that they can offer meaningful perspective. And uh, you know, then we just have a very collaborative brainstorm. And you know, to the extent that I need to, I'll step in to kind of moderate it and make sure that the ideas that are being tossed out actually will work in this situation because you know, in a brainstorm, you want people to share and, and to offer up any ideas that they might have, but sometimes you do need someone there to make sure it's channeled properly so that you're not just coming up with ideas out of context. You know, you had mentioned uh, earlier that you have a non-hierarchical organization. Tell us about how it's organized. You know, I learned this from my, um, my mentor and my former boss at a company called Carton Donofrio Partners in Baltimore. Chuck Donofrio uh, is the CEO of that company. And I worked there for about five years, and I had a great experience working for him. And, you know, he definitely ran a much more entrepreneurial agency than I had ever worked for. And titles weren't important to him. And I realized in working for him um, and he probably wouldn't even say for him, but with him, mm -hmm. that hierarchy really is what the outside world, outside the company, needs to see. They want to know who's at what level within the organization. But when it comes down to it, everyone's there with a common mission. And you know, if you get kind of hung up on who's got which title and who's responsible for what, then I think you're focused on the wrong details. So we, we have titles on our website because, again, they're important to clients and prospects. But when it comes down to it and we're getting the work done, we do what it takes. You do what it takes. Yeah. And, and I guess, um, are folks in your firm uh, partners, part, part owners, or are they full-time employees? Um, and how do you deal with the, the compensation issues when you have a non-hierarchical organization? Well, um, I'm the only owner of the company, so mm -hmm. that answers that question. And the arrangement that each of the employees has is, is unique, depending on their particular circumstances. And that was a big part of, of what I offered to each individual employee, because I wanted work-life balance. I wanted to create a flexible environment for others. Oh. And um, it is all women. Mm -hmm. And everyone has children, oh. so um, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, each again, each person has their own unique situation with us, depending on what works for their lives. Excellent. Um, and we're very much a meritocracy, so mm -hmm. 
you know, the salary and compensation conversations happen individually, obviously, mm -hmm. um, but it's all based on the contribution that someone's making and their performance. Excellent, excellent, excellent. That sounds like a, a really wonderful environment. And you have six people who have been with you from the very, very beginning. Some have joined later than, than right. others. Um, what are the plans for 2010? It seems like things are starting to perk up a little bit in the economy. Definitely. We, 2008 was our best year ever. We mm -hmm. had a, a terrific year, which was a really nice way to start what everyone knew was going to be one of the toughest years on record. Right. And it has been. But it hasn't been as devastating for us as I think it has been for other firms that had a, have a lot of infrastructure mm -hmm. and a lot of overhead. We are a very lean, lean. mean, yes. boutique <laughs> PR firm. Yes. So uh, we're in a fortunate position that we're ending the year on a pretty solid footing. And so our plans for 2010 are really about taking a more proactive role in winning new business and, and trying to take charge of the kinds of clients that we go after and win, which we've started to do this year. Uh, but I'd really like to see us convert some of those opportunities and get more traction in 2010. You know, um, we're getting some insight into your leadership style through some of the Q&A that we've had thus far, but how would you describe your leadership style? When you asked me to come on this program, I figured you would ask me this question. And, you know, I certainly have my own ideas about my leadership style, but I felt as though asking the people who work with me is probably a more authentic... A 360 feedback. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Uh, and being a small organization, you know, we don't always have the human resources infrastructure in place to do things like 360 evaluations. So I thought, what a great opportunity for me to ask my team mm -hmm. what they think about my leadership style. And the, the kinds of words that they gave back to me were collaborative, consensus builder, um, which to me was very, very um, special because you don't always hear that, and, and hopefully they're being candid with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but inclusive, mm -hmm. and um, again, as I've said over and over again, just willing to do whatever it takes. Um, one person said, you know, a keen sense of what everyone's different strengths and weaknesses are and how to make that all work together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, when I heard words like collaborative, yes. I felt like that was really important. Again, I wanted to create a place to, to work where people felt like they were respected, appreciated, um, that they were a member of the team, that they weren't, you know, sitting somewhere on a hierarchy, um, and that they were really empowered to take control of their career within our organization and make it what they want to be. You know, when it comes down to it, people are probably most motivated by money. Let's face it. Myself included. Um, so th these other soft benefits are really important. Mm -hmm. um, but one other thing that we do in our company is I offer a better than industry standard incentive for anyone who brings business to us, which means that I cut a lot of my profit mm -hmm. out of bringing mm -hmm. those pieces of business on. Sure. But my feeling is I wouldn't have that business if it weren't for that individual. And what better way to motivate them to go out and look for opportunities than to give them that sense of ownership. Absolutely. That they're going to have a, a bigger payoff than if they brought that piece of business in at a different agency. Well, you know, Sun Tzu, Art of War, he talks about when there's a war and there's uh, some spoils from the uh, victory that everyone within the particular regiment is provided uh, a piece of mm -hmm. the uh, 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 
the, the, the reward. And I think that's so true that folks know that if they uh, do something good or they bring business in, that there's something in it for them. Right. And it keeps everybody pulling together. Having worked for a few different agencies and one global agency, I've seen lots of attempts at making that work. Mm-hmm. Um, but this seems to be a really simple, just you know, make it a high enough percentage that it's interesting. And then the other piece of it that's very important is that the person has to maintain profitability on that piece of business. Ah. So they can continue to get a high percentage, right. but if the business isn't profitable, obviously, as a business, we can't afford to do that. So, so it, it also encourages them to understand how we make money, mm-hmm. which I think is very important for yes. everyone in the business, right. and then to maintain the account accordingly. That is an excellent, excellent uh, t- compensation uh, tool that you have It's there. worked well. It's worked well for us. One of my previous guests, Dr. Lee Kearney, who has her PhD in uh, counseling psychology, she t- talked about how people will quit a boss and not a job because they just cannot get along with their boss or they think their boss is not fair and whatnot. And, and that was very interesting that someone will leave a particular position not because they don't like the company, it's because they don't like the boss. But uh, fortunately, in your situation, uh, that's not the case because uh, for them to say that you're very collaborative and you want to communicate and you want to be inclusive, those are some very good qualities. I'm a big believer in, in that theory. I was talking to a client years ago, probably almost 10 years ago now, and uh, working for a technology startup that we were doing PR for. And he was feeling disgruntled about his workplace. It was during the dot-com boom. And he said to me, because he wasn't on board with the CEO and where he was taking the company, and it was probably as much about his respect for that person as it was about the business model itself. And he said to me, you know, my, uh, when he was in business school, one of his professors said to him, it's more important that you like the people that you start a business with than it is that you like the business model. And I think that that is incredibly wise, that you could do just about anything if you liked the team of people that you started the business with. You can get through a lot with that, with that, you know, trust and respect that you have. Words I keep using, but I think are really important. Very important and very true, very true. It's almost like uh, if you want to play golf with someone, typically you want to play golf with someone that you like because it's it's a long time together. (laughs) And a business is a lifetime. Yeah. And uh, what is the mission of uh, Rose Communications? Or do you have a mission? I think our mission is is what I talked about earlier, and that is doing great work for great clients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it was very important to me to pull together this team of people that um, I felt could do exceptional work. Mm-hmm. And you know, our growth strategy really is about exceptional work breeds exceptional work. Right. And you know, that is how we've gotten to the point where we are today. Excellent, excellent. And um, through your meetings and your discussions. Um, is there a formal process by which you ensure that everyone on the team understands the mission of Rose Communications and your values? Or is it just that people see, see it in action and they just replicate what they see? Because we are relatively small, um, we don't do what a lot of larger companies do and what we help them do, which is communicate these kinds of things to all of their internal audiences. We spend a lot of time working with our clients when they develop their mission, vision, and values for their organization. And we do everything from writing intranet 
articles to writing speeches for CEOs to talk about these things. We have literally produced videos, calendars for employee desks, signage for buildings. Yes. We do a lot of work in the field of, of helping people do this for themselves, right. but being the small organization that we are, I don't think I need to go to the expense of producing a video right. to make <laughs> sure my six people get it. Exactly. Um, but, you know, again, it comes down to transparency and yes. communication. And, you know, if I sense that someone is not getting it, making sure that we address that early on in the process. And you had mentioned that a couple a couple of your team members are not within the same office location. Mm -hmm. How many people are, are uh, virtual, would you say? Half of us, actually. Wow. Yeah, there are okay. three of us. We're mm -hmm. in Hoboken, New Jersey, mm -hmm. and there are three of us there. And then the other three are, uh, two are in Baltimore, mm -hmm. and one is in Pennsylvania. And it's interesting, everyone that I've worked with, I've worked with before at an agency. Okay. Um, and so that kind of explains how we came together. The two people who are with me in Hoboken and I worked with at Euro RSCG, they were mm -hmm. two members of my team. And then uh, the two women that are in Baltimore worked for Carton Donner Frio Partners, okay. and that's mm -hmm. how I know them. So obviously I know their work very well. And the woman in Pennsylvania actually was my client for the University of the Arts. And we had a great relationship, obviously. And when she decided to... Uh, make a change with her career mm -hmm. because I had worked with her so closely and knew the quality of her work made her an offer to come join our team. So um, I, I take it at some point you do physically all get together uh, and, and meet. How often does that happen? It happens several times throughout the year because we work with clients all over. I have a lot of clients in the mm -hmm. Baltimore, Washington market okay. because I grew up there and spent the first sure. part of my career there. I still have a lot of contacts. Yes. I also have a relationship with my former employer, the advertising agency, Carton Donofrio Partners, mm -hmm. and we do some work together. So I am in Baltimore. I am on Amtrak a lot. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so <laughs> the two women who um, are part of the team in Baltimore, I see them all the time because I'm down there for meetings and they're joining me for these meetings. And... Um, the woman who's in Pennsylvania, we made a, a deal because we felt as, she's younger and we felt as it was really important for her because she was working from home to have the opportunity to mm -hmm. get together with more senior members of the team mm -hmm. for mentoring reasons. Yes. Because early in your career, if you're not physically with other people, you miss out on that. Yes. So she comes and works out of our office every other week in order for us to accomplish that. And, um, you know, as far as getting together, we try to a couple of times a year, you know, more recently for our holiday luncheon, make sure that we just have some downtime together because, you know, that camaraderie is yes. critically important to, to any workplace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sounds like a really fun environment to work in. We love and, it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, in a PR agency, there's many challenges. Um, do you ever have any challenges within your agency? Um, differences of opinion over direction and that you ever had to deal with or is that your team you and your team know each other so well that you're you just you're just above that well I think that there are often differences of opinion and as a leader I try really hard not to just um, impose my perspective on everyone mm -hmm. and I enjoy the challenge of someone saying to me, you know what, I, I don't think that's right. This is how I would approach it. Um, so we do have a healthy back and forth where we challenge one another. Um, and I hope that I am open-minded enough to acquiesce when I should. Um, I'll admit my, I can be pretty strong-willed. Um, 
as probably most CEOs would say. But uh, we, we definitely have that back and forth. And I think that's what, what our clients appreciate is that you know, we're bringing multi-perspective work. You know, if you hire one PR practitioner, you're getting one person's point of view. But if you hire a firm with six different thinkers working on a dozen or more clients at any given time, then you're having a much more diverse mm. uh, point of view brought to your business. Yes. But when there is a conflict, um, is there a particular technique that you use as a leader to resolve that conflict uh, or a particular style that you impose at, at that time? Communication. In a word, In communication. A word, communication. Um, again, we're not a big company, so there, we don't need a lot of the protocols that you might see in a bigger organization to resolve conflicts. And it's not even really a conflict. It would just be a difference of, mm-hmm. of opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but communicate early and often. And uh, what would you say are the uh, important traits of a leader? Um, you know, I think a lot of what we've talked about already with respect to communication and being open-minded uh, but also being decisive. And um, for me, starting my business was about passion. And passion is so important in what we do in public relations. You, you, in order to tell a story in a compelling way, you have to really embrace the passion. And if you're not feeling passionate about whatever it is that you're working on, then I don't think you can be an effective leader. Um, and I think also a regular willingness to learn. I, I've seen a lot of people in leadership positions who kind of say, I've arrived, and so I can kind of sit back now and enjoy the fruits of my labor. And I think someone who can be a sustainable leader never has that, that frame of mind, is always wanting to learn and looking forward to what's next. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And, you know, the PR business is a very, very competitive business. It is. Um, You're working with your clients to help your clients get their message out. How do you, as a boutique PR firm, get your message out to to get new business? You know, it's the shoemaker's children syndrome. Uh, Shoemaker's children have no shoes. (laughs) This is something that, and this may be one of our biggest challenges as a company, is making the time to do for ourselves what we counsel other businesses to do. And a lot of our business comes through referral. We do have the uh, relationship, the alliance with the ad agency in Baltimore I mentioned. We also work with a few other advertising agencies. And because our services complement theirs, we bring each other a lot of business. So that has worked well for us. Mm-hmm. But we have a website, obviously. We have spent a lot of um, time and effort trying to make our website as effective as possible to tell our story. We are members of the Word of Mouth Marketing Association. Uh, We decided rather than joining a traditional public relations professional association, which I have been a member of and support, Mm -hmm. um, but we really wanted to differentiate ourselves by aligning ourselves in a more um, diverse professional organization. So that has given us some exposure as well that has led to new business opportunities. And we launched a blog um, prosblog.com, pros-blog.com, <laughs> uh, which you know requires a lot of care and feeding, and uh, probably we should spend more time working on that as well. But we really are, are looking at those kinds of ways of 
of putting ourselves out there and, and good old-fashioned networking. That's right. It is nothing replaces good old-fashioned mm-hmm. networking. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith uh, Ferrazzi's book, Never Eat Alone. I don't know if you had the opportunity to read it. But I haven't. It's a great networking book. Uh, I shared it with my students this past semester, and I said, you know, when you when you're at an op- at a conference and you had a speaker, always make an opportunity to to speak to the speaker. And he said, well, you know, how do you get to the speaker? I said, well, in Keith Ferrazzi's book, he talks about being right at the point where the stage where they walk down, there's nobody ever there. And it works. It does work. work. And you know, because you speak at conferences. And I have too, not to the extent that you have. But I'm always happy to have a one-on-one conversation with someone. So I think people sitting in the audience are intimidated and feel what do I really have to say to this person? And you know, why would they talk to me? There's 500 people here in the audience. But having been that speaker before, I always welcome that opportunity to hear directly from people. So I think that's great advice. Well, our time is just about up. So I just want to uh, thank you for coming in today. You're going to come back next week, correct? Absolutely. Well, this has been a very, very uh, encouraging and very invigorating discussion with Rosemary Osman, CEO of Rose Communication. This is Darrell Gunter. I am your host from Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the web at WSOU.net. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great week.